Hey, it's Liz Kelly, and welcome to the Ringer Podcast Network. This Wednesday on the site, we are releasing our 2020 NFL Draft Guide, where you can find all things draft-related leading up to the first round on April 23rd, including scouting reports on each prospect by Danny Kelly and much more. We'll be updating it regularly with new analysis that takes all the latest developments into account. You can check that out on Wednesday on TheRinger.com. Ringer NFL show. I'm Robert Mays, joined as always by Kevin Clark. Kevin, how you doing, buddy? I'm good. I am ready for the game to start. I am ready for the game to start, too, but there's a lot of time between now and then. We are once again on Radio Row. It is Wednesday, or excuse me, Thursday afternoon. Uh, same amount both, of craziness, even more McCourty craziness twins, today. Both McCourty twins are over your right shoulder wearing Pizza Hut shirts. Pizza Hut shirts. Uh, Somebody button, came in with a down lot shirts. of Pizza Hut earlier. That button-down Pizza Hut shirts. short sleeve button-down Pizza Hut shirts. Uh, Miles Teller and Glenn Powell were here earlier. They did Slow News Day. That was fun. They did Slow News Day. There's been a lot of people kind of bouncing around. Today, we are doing our big preview, our big Super Bowl breakdown. We're going to talk about what the game will look like for either team to win, what yeah. the scenario will need to be, if the Niners are going to win, what the scenario will need to be for the Chiefs to win. Pretty straightforward. Let's start with the Niners. Yeah. So as you're kind of building the case for a Niners win on Sunday, where does it begin with you? Well, I think that both, both scenarios run through Patrick Mahomes. Patrick Mahomes is the best passer in the sport. There is nothing harder to defend in the sport than a perfectly thrown pass, and Patrick Mahomes throws those. So... What happens? Well, the front four for the 49ers generate pressure via PFF on 44% of the rushers despite blitzing over 15% of their time. This is something we've talked about a lot this year and probably the last decade, that if you want to win a Super Bowl against a great quarterback, it's great to be able to rush for. Everybody tries to do that. Most teams fail. The Niners have built a defense where that might be possible. On the back end, you, you've talked this week about how good a player like Jimmy Ward is. You know, Obviously, we know what Richard Sherman is. There's a case to be made that the Niners, if they are to win, have to be able to do a better job of containing Patrick Mahomes than most teams are able to do. I mean, I, it just it, it is, and, and the reason I'm so hesitant to even talk about this is because I think there's really no way to stop Mahomes from going off. I think it's a, a, a level of degrees, and I think they can maybe limit him to 27 points, something like that. I think that's the, the end goal should be just to slow him down a little bit. You know, you watch, I don't think they've scored fewer than 24 points outside of two or three games in his entire career. Right. So and, when and, he's been and, and those games in the middle of the season, the bad game against the Colts, he just was banged up. Oh, and, yeah. And that was one of the reasons, you know, it's funny. Greg Bishop from Sports Illustrated wrote a great story about this where he talked to Mahomes in December. I'm like, we forgot about Patrick Mahomes. I mean, I, I, I tried to keep reminding everybody how good he was, you know, during Lamar Jackson mania. But, he, you know, he, he get, goes on national television. They lose that game 13 to 19 against a Colts team that we thought was a lot better and, and were a lot better at that point. And that was, at that point, the worst game of his career. And then he has 273 yards against Houston the next week. Then he gets hurt. Got, you know, he only throws the ball 11 times against Denver. And then they have the, the Matt Moore, Chad Henney era. And I think people just sort of said, and because that coincided with Lamar Jackson's uh, just incredible emergence, I think that we, we all started sleeping on the best passer on this, in the sport in the reigning MVP. And, and I think that uh, when healthy, it is really hard. We are, we are seeing it more where, okay, 
He put up 31 points on the Chargers, 51, 51 points on, on the Texans, 35 points on, on the Titans. That's, that's him. So if we're going to build this 24-point outcome for the Chiefs, I agree with you that I think it starts with a pass rush. It seems like an oversimplification. You have to get after good quarterbacks to slow them down. But that's a huge thing with this team because it really is, if you're looking at the strengths of the Niners roster, it's the best part. Their defensive line this yep. season has just become completely unlocked when everyone is healthy. When, and when I say everyone, I mean the big four guys. D. Ford, Nick Bosa, DeForest Buckner, Eric Armstead. I talked to Chris Kasurik, their defensive line coach, for a long time this week. And we talked about two things. One, just the, how they changed stylistically the where they're playing this year. Mm-hmm. They're attacking. They, they've completely changed the wiring of these guys. And it's really allowed people like Eric Armstead to have the best season of his career. So can they use the variety of pieces they have and the flexibility of the pieces they have to be unpredictable from where they're rushing from, to use a ton of games, and to really confuse the Chiefs up front all over the place. That, to me, is going to be the key for them defensively. The other side of it is really curious what sort of coverages and what sort of distribution we're going to see with the coverages. Because this team wants to run a lot of zone defense. That's what they do well. Do they go outside of themselves a little bit because they don't want to be too predictable, and because Mahomes absolutely dices up zone defenses. There's no good answer There's here. No, well, the, his rating is over 108 against both types, man or zone. Okay, so it was funny in the beginning of the week, and I fell for this too briefly, where it's like, oh man, the Niners love going zone, and he against zone, Mahomes carves him up. Well, he carves up man too. Of I course. Mean, he carves up. That's what he does. That's what I mean. How often? Right. What are you going to do? How are you going to do things that are they are not expecting? You're going to play a little bit more right. man on early downs. You're going to because that's what they tend to do. They run a lot of zone defenses on early downs, and then they go to some man stuff later on. The Chiefs do an excellent job with those three by one sets with Kelsey yeah. on the other side. It may, they make it very difficult to play zone in those de- when they, they have those right. looks. And, so that back and forth is going to be so interesting. And uh, Joe Woods was talking this week just about how they've done a great job of mixing up the coverages this year. Yeah. They've been a little bit more less predictable. But I think they still want to say if we do the stuff we do well, yeah. if we sit in our zone and we do the right things yeah. and we do it the, and we play it the way we want to, I still think that's what they want to do. So if they decide we trust the simplicity of what we do and we're our execution, I don't know how that's going to go, but I think that might be the route that they take. Yeah, I, I, I'm in agreement because I think that the hardest philosophical question that a team faces when they go into a game like the Super Bowl against a quarterback like Patrick Mahomes is, do we do what we do well exactly. or do we try to experiment a little bit and give them a different look? One of the geniuses of the Patriots is that they're flexible enough to be able to do anything. That's why we saw them kind of switch things up. I remember Andrew Whitworth was talking about uh, how, conf- how, how many different looks they got last year that they weren't expecting. I think, in general, I think you do just enough to confuse the offense and, and stick to a lot of what you do well and just give them a couple of different looks where it's, okay, what are we looking at here? And, and just get them a little bit hesitant. Um, I, I think you got to, you know, when you have two weeks to prepare, you can do that sort of stuff. Uh, I think Robert Sal is a good defensive coordinator. They've got that talent there. I think it's going to be one of the most interesting. I mean, when you have two play callers like this, it is really fascinating to see how the defensive coordinators react to those. What I think that you, that you have to do is kind of blend a level of 
frenzy, like just a frenzied approach up front yeah. with something a little bit more stagnant and calm on the back end. You want your creativity, your wrinkles, all of that stuff, I think, to be in the games you're running, to be maybe in some different fronts that you're running. I think if you try to get outside of yourself in terms of coverages and what the secondary is doing, that's when you can start scrambling a little bit. So I would like to see some stuff that's really changing a lot up front and maybe staying a little bit more stagnant on the back end where you're thinking, all right, let's limit big plays and maybe get the occasional sack, the occasional quarterback hit, bother him up front, but really trust ourselves on the back end. I think that is their best recipe. I really do. Well, okay, so we're talking about the Niners winning here. Offensively, what happens in that scenario? I think it's just all about misdirection and exploiting the yep. middle of the field. Motion. I think it's getting those guys moving left to right, just affecting their eye discipline, having them not be quite sure what they're looking at. I do think that those linebackers and Daniel Sorensen are guys that can be taken advantage of in the right scenario. And I feel like that's what Kyle Shanahan has spent the last two weeks doing. How do I affect those defenders in the middle of the field? How do I get them out of where I want? How do I get them out of the voids I want to exploit? Yep, I'm, I'm with you. Um, the NFL put this stat out this week that the Niners obviously first in motion. The Chiefs are... are fourth in motion there's going to be and that's something Andy Reid did not do before 2018 a whole lot he was uh the Chiefs were 16th 16th 23rd and 22nd in motion before 2018 so it'll it, this is going to be there's going to be a lot of moving parts there before the snap on both sides of the ball I think it's all the Niners game plan has to be about limiting explosive plays yeah on defense and creating them on offense I, that I feel like this game is going to be so close and I think it's going to be a little bit of a shootout. And in close games like this, you know, you think back on one, two, three chunk plays that end up making the entire difference. Can they get one of those leak routes we've seen over the past few years where they're sending different sorts of guys on those plays? Can they get one or two to use check maybe where it looks like a lead and he ends up just slipping out up the seam and it's a 40-yard gain like we saw against Pittsburgh? They need those. They need those deceptive shot plays that they're so good at creating, I think, to keep up with the Chiefs. And I think they'll be able to get some. Yeah, and, you know, it's interesting to me because from a defensive standpoint, we saw the Vikings were able to get a huge chunk play against Akilla Weatherspoon, and then they immediately benched him, and there, there really hasn't been a chunk play since um, on, the, on the Niners' end. And so I wonder, I think Mahomes is going to get chunk plays um, on the other side uh, of that ball, and I just think that it's about kind of limiting as many of those as possible, eliminating silly mistakes. I think, you know, against the the Chiefs, and this is, it's funny because one of the lessons that we've learned this year is that so many of the things that we have valued for 100 years are just, turns out they're still important. Things like tackling. Sure. Things like, okay, Patrick Mahomes only gets sacked 3.3% of the time. Getting him on the ground if you touch him. Things like that, which sounds so stupid and obvious. Like, th those are important in this game. I would be really curious what kind of Travis Kelsey game it is. Yep. Because that's what I feel like the, the Chiefs are going to have to go to. Against those zone defenses, I think that, that the Niners do such a good job of limiting you down the field. I think they're really going to try to take that stuff away. And if they're worried about how they're being threatened vertically, can Kelsey just start picking you apart underneath? Because I think he can. So if the Niners have some sort of plan for how just to address that, for if they're running us off, how do we stop him from just chewing us up? That can be his biggest question for them outside of I've been surprised by how much 
pushback, and it's not a lot, but I've gotten some significant pushback on assuming, from my perspective, because I'm still assuming it, that George Kittle is better than Travis Kelsey. There is a Kelsey hive on the internet that I was not aware of. What is the argument? I, I don't know. The, the I understand. Sh- I mean, it's... It, no, I think it depends I, I on what you value. Well, some of the PFF guys think that too. I did their podcast yesterday, and there was there were one of them was arguing Ooh, that uh, that's a, that's a dissenting opinion over there. Yeah, no, no, I agree with that. I think it was Eric who was like, I, I actually think that Kelsey's better. I don't think that, but it's also I just stylistically appreciate George Kittle. I am in agreement. They They're also, very different. PFF players. has George Kittle as the best player in football, the so. single best player in football, the single best yes. player in football. So which stands I, to reason that he's the best. Tight you're not going to hear any arguments well. from me this year. He was absolutely incredible. Also the blocking and like, well, that's the reason. Yeah. I, I just think they're also, it, I think both of those guys speak to what these teams are. Yeah. It, it, they're such reflections of their offensive identities because with Ke- with Kelsey, he's a receiver. That's what he does. He's lining up pretty much as a receiver all the time. Uh-huh. He really helps dictate whether it's man or zone before the play even starts. He is such a distillation of what they want to be. And then Kittle's the exact, is the same thing for the Niners, but because he's an opposite type of player. Because you don't know whether it's going to be a run or a pass. Yeah, That's the thing. It, they, he makes them so unpredictable because he can do each at an extremely high level. I saw Tony Gonzalez yesterday, and somebody was asking him about Kittle. And he said the thing that he couldn't believe was that Kittle gave a quote that if he never caught a pass, he'd be fine with everything. And Conan's like, that's not how Tony Gonzalez Tony Gonzalez is like, come on, man, you want to catch something. So I, I think, honestly don't know if that's true with yeah, George Kittle. Yeah, so I just wanted to loop and the, the, the tight end discussion. I just thought that was a very funny way to look at things. I don't. I actually do not think if Travis Kelsey didn't catch balls, he'd be happy. Well, what else would he do I, if, I he wasn't, if he wasn't catching passes? Yeah, I think if George Kittle caught one pass a game, he'd be good to go. I honestly don't think he'd care. I think just if George, so he could have a chance to run over somebody. His dad was an offensive lineman. I think he could be an okay. I think I think he would if he was if he started his life over again and was an offensive lineman. I think he'd oh, if be George okay. Kittle gained thirty pounds right yeah. now, he'd be an All Pro left tackle. Yeah, I, mean, I, I legitimately believe. If he that. lost twenty pounds, he'd be an All Pro running back, <laughs> fullback. <laughs> All right, let's get to the other side of the ball. As you said, I think not the other side of the ball. Let's get to the Chiefs. Let's get to yeah. the case for why the Chiefs would win. Uh, like you said, this begins and ends with Mahomes. Yep. I think that top to bottom, the Niners roster is better than the Chiefs roster. Uh, they have a better 53, but Agreed. Mahomes is the best player in this game. And I think, again, even if it seems like an oversimplification, it may just come down to that. Yep. It, it, that's it. I mean, that's it. You have good players, and it's, it's almost like basketball. It's like who has the best guys on the court, and then those guys are just going to win. And, and I think that that's, that is when you have such a talented uh, – when you have two talented rosters – that is sort of how these things work. Yeah. And these are two of the best rosters in football. That doesn't always happen in the Super Bowl, where the, I, I think, along with the, these are probably, I think you throw the Ravens in there, and I think you're looking at Those two of the three. Those are the three best three. teams. Yeah, yes. two, two of the best three, and they obviously ran into a Derrick Henry buzzsaw. Derrick Henry, is he still behind me? He is no longer behind me, but I don't want to I don't want to get in his way or anything like that, so I was, just, <laughs> I worried, was worried about it. Um, that's kind of what happens when you have talented rosters. And that's why when we were talking about X-Factors and stuff earlier in this week, I prefaced it by saying, I don't think this is an X-Factor game. I think it's a superstar game. And I think that I, I think that this is going to come down to Patrick Mahomes making a pass or George Kittle running four people over or Debo Samuel doing the same thing or Kyle Shanahan, who is a superstar in, in a different field, scheming up some incredible play action stuff or motion. So I think that this is a superstar-driven game, and I think we're going to see it on Sunday. I think so, too. And just... We didn't really talk about the Niners. You mentioned Debo Samuel, I think is interesting. We talk about how 
They've really leaned on the running game during the playoffs. I don't think that's this kind of game. I think that they're going to need to make plays, big chunk plays in the play-action game over just running the ball consistently. I think that's going to be part of what they do, but I don't think... I, I, w- I would not be surprised whatsoever if the Chiefs came out and just said, we're playing base defense, we are not going to let you run the ball for six yards of carry. That, yeah. that would not surprise me at all because we saw what happened when the Niners, or excuse me, when the Packers didn't play that way. And they came out and said, all right, we're going to play nickel even when you're in that base package. And if you want to run the ball, I guess you're just going to be able to. I don't think the Chiefs are going to do that. So I think the Chiefs stopping the run and then daring Garoppolo to beat them is the first part of their defensive game plan. Do they line up and say, we are not going to put the players in the field to make this easy for you? That's where it starts. And I also think that they need guys like Tyron Matthew to make plays in the middle of the field. Can he be someone that tips a pass, picks a pass off, is just kind of a problem in that area that the Niners want to exploit most in their passing game. When I was talking to George and Eric the other day, they were saying that the big change defensively that the, the Chiefs used was they know they stopped depending on their linebackers to cover running backs. Mm. And they do not have elite linebackers. I don't think that, that is any secret. And so it comes down to who can be who can make the plays the linebackers cannot. And that would be against the running backs. That would be against the guys who are going to run people over like George Kittle and Debo Samuel. I think Teron Matthew, and again, another star I think he's going to play a pivotal role in this game. Uh, it's intriguing to see. I think that I was having just when you talk about the Chiefs offense and, you know, with again, making the case for them, it's just that they have so many answers. I was talking to Joe Blymeyer today, who's the assistant quarterbacks coach. I talked to him too. He's my, he's my uh, media availability MVP so far. He's great. I love him. He's great. We were chatting and he was telling me how Andy Reid thinks about offense. And it was so interesting. He said that he thinks about route concepts in three different ways. The first is what does work yeah. against certain things. You have a coverage beater. You know a curl flat structurally makes sense. We've seen it happen a million times. The second thing is what should work. So it's one more step outside of that where you're adding maybe two curls with the flat out of a certain look. And then the third one is what could work. So you're thinking about, all right, if I conceptualize something that has never really been done or I haven't seen done, theoretically, this should work. And I think both of these coaches offensively do such a good job of having solutions and thinking one step ahead of what they've already shown. And I think that is at the core of why the Chiefs are so hard to defend. Because like you wrote today, you have someone constantly looking for them in Andy Reid, and you have someone that can constantly find them in every single way with Mahomes. And I do think that lies at the heart of why the Chiefs would win this game is that they are unsolvable with those two guys. Yeah, Mahomes has the second most open throws beyond the first down marker this year. Drew Brees is first, and that's a different phenomenon. I think that the marriage between Andy Reid and and Patrick Mahomes is important because he gives so many advantages to a quarterback who does not need advantages. Exactly. And that's, that's the thing that we talked about. And that's why he's not Deshaun Watson just struggling, you know, in to, to overcome the coaching staff around him. And that's funny to me because it, it almost reflects a little bit of like the, the marriage between Kyle Shanahan and George Kittle, which is no one finds space like Kyle Shanahan and no one uses space quite like George Kittle. Uh, there are so many things that just make perfect sense in this game. And that's why I love it. Yeah, I'd be really curious to see what the Niners, the Chiefs end up doing when it comes to manner zone against the Niners because Shanahan is so good at understanding, like you just said, how to create space and understanding yeah. where the voids are. Do the Chiefs just line up and say, we're going to dare your receivers to beat us? Yep. I, I, I really don't know. This is a game where these offenses are so potent and so hard to stop when they're rolling that, like you said, how far outside of your normal tendencies do you go 
because you don't necessarily trust that if you do what you've always done, it's going to be enough. I, I know we don't want to talk about X factors here, but if you were to bet on the MVP, who are you thinking of right now? Like, are you thinking of a superstar? Yes. I think if, if I was betting on the MVP, I probably, we'll get to our picks later, yeah. but I would pick the quarterback of the team I think is going to win. I think Even that's always a Garoppolo. Yes. Yeah. It's hard not to win MVP as a quarterback. You have to, you have, to have, it's like a Deion Branch, Julian Edelman yeah. type of thing. You have to have a quarterback who, who didn't put up exceptional numbers. If there's a guy who I mean, Brady maybe, has four, so I mean he's he's good. We're good on that. Let's say I think that Nick Bosa has a chance to have a big game. Okay. I don't think D Ford will because I think D Ford is going to be on the left side going against Mitchell Schwartz the whole game. So if D if Nick Bosa gets two and a half sacks and forces a fumble, that kind of thing, and we've seen that in the past, but I, I just think that the quarterbacks are probably the safest bet. I like Von Miller won the MVP, won the Super Bowl MVP. Yes. That's a perfect example. Yes, and the media tried to give it to Peyton. They just couldn't do it for his one, like, 15-yard pass. I see, that the reason that I don't think it's going to be that sort of MVP is because I think there are going to be points. I, I think it's going to be a high-scoring game, and if it's a high-scoring game, I think that inevitably it's probably going to go to a quarterback. I guess you're right. Can we give it to the coaches? I, I honestly I'm wish we just, could. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to just put it down. It's, it is going to be a fascinating schematic matchup. And we've talked about it all week. And every time, as I've dug more and more kind of into why I think that's the case, it's just so apparent. It's just when you think about all the layers that these guys have and how when you think you figured out one thing, they're just going to do something else. It just, it puts so much on the table for what we could see. And I think that's the best part about this. What's the best conversation you've had this week with a player or coach from either of these teams? It's a good question. I, I've had some really good ones. I, I've had some that weren't here, that were, that were about Kyle Shanahan from players that he used to coach, that, that guys that he's been around in the past. And I think both of those were good. And I'll be writing about that for tomorrow, just kind of the way he thinks about things and how he always seems to be a step ahead of everybody else. And just, you know, Mike McDaniel told me something so interesting on media night. He said that when Kyle presents information to players, he understands that there's a limited attention span and that it's hard to keep their hold of them. So what he does is he tells a story where he'll start with a certain concept about why he's creating something. And then as he's building that concept out, he explains how it works because this is what the outcomes are going to be. Mm -hmm. And I think that's so interesting. I think that really speaks to the way he thinks about the game. It's that if A, then B, if B, then C, all of these things are so intertwined that they can only exist because of each other. And that, that, that has really stuck with me. What would you say? Hmm. I think, I honestly think the thing I'll remember about this week is, or the early week Kobe Bryant stuff and just the impact that he had around the league and, and things from, you know, again, George Kittle playing sports because of him or Richard Sherman walking off his Achilles, things you don't even think about. And I, I actually thought it was interesting that Patrick Mahomes said that he, he liked hearing Kobe talk about things. And yeah. it reminded me a little bit of, I think the greats, the greats in any sport are dorks. Yes. Like true diet in the wool dorks. And even the guys you don't think are dorks are dorks. Guys like Tiger Woods, guys like, it was funny, I read, a, I read one of Mike Tyson's books a couple of months ago. And he was talking about how he just basically would watch old fights from the 40s when he was 14 years old. And it's like, in order to get from I'm really talented to I'm one of the greatest in the history of the sport, you have to really, you have to really pursue kind of 
the context of things and wanting to see. And I thought Patrick Mahomes talking about that was really interesting. It reminds me a little bit. Von Miller once told me that he uh, studied Derek Thomas. And I, I said, you know, what were you getting from Derek Thomas? And he's like, I actually don't care about the play part of it. He didn't care about watching Derek Thomas. Couldn't learn anything from that, although he did uh, watch it. He, he wanted to hear him talk about how he approached it because yeah. he felt like pass rushing is a mentality thing. And he just wanted to hear people talk about it. And Derek Thomas was the guy he glommed on to. And he said that one of the things Thomas said was that he, he felt like an offensive player and Von Miller decided he was an offensive player playing defense, that kind of thing, right? And so, anyway, back to the point of most interesting conversation I heard, it was the Mahomes talking about Kobe and how he just liked the perspective and taking it all in. And, and you, can, you can see it. And, I, and I, it kind of ties into what I was talking about earlier with, with Mahomes and just how much he appreciates this stage. And this is a superstar who I think we're learning a lot about. You know, I think we've both been around him at various events. But I think that this is, this is his coming out party for everyone. And I think that Mahomes is hugely famous. But I really think that when you go to a Super Bowl, it's on another level. Absolutely. And, and I think that that's... That's coming out for, for Mahomes this year. Like, I don't know. I've, I've said in the past, I, I kind of have a mom test where I say, what's, what's my mom talking about? And they'll be, you know, I don't think my mom knows who, uh, you know, Deshaun Watson is. You know, like, sure. I don't think, I think you need to get to the biggest stage in order for, for this to become a super duper duper star. And Mahomes is not only here, but he's embracing it. Talking about mentality with Von Miller and Derek Thomas, I think is, it reminds me of something else that really stuck out to me this week. Talking to people around the Niners defense, just realizing how small the margins are between average and great in the NFL and what sort of things have to change. Just the way that, you know, having adding D4 to Nick Bosa unlocked the entire defensive line, how they changed the way they approached defensive line play, how Joe Woods coming in kind of streamlined the way that a lot of those defensive backs thought about the game and allowed them to play a little bit faster. You just see that on the Niners' entire defense. You just see a group playing cohesively, and it's allowed them to play extremely fast, extremely downhill, move around in a way they never have before because they have so much conviction in just the overall structure of the scheme and the personnel. That kind of stuff. It's just, you really do come to understand how small the differences are between a team that's going to win the Super Bowl and a team that's merely okay. It's funny because when we talk about reverse engineering... I look at the Broncos, the team where you look back at them, the 2015 Broncos, and you say, oh, well, of course they won the Super Bowl. They had so many great parts, and, and we should have seen it coming, right? And when I think about – and so I've over the past couple of years, every time I look at the Super Bowl, I kind of try to reverse engineer it. Like this is an old Sherlock Holmes thing where he says, yeah. like, anyone can get – can can see what's about to happen but what you really want to do is take the result and work backwards that's like true genius and then you can get it's a Sherlock Holmes says it better than I do I, I can't actually I don't have it in front of me I'm sorry um take it with Arthur Conan Doyle but I tried to reverse engineer and say like okay are in three years are we going to say oh this team had this guy this guy and this guy of course they won the Super Bowl right because that tends to happen and I actually see a case in both in both situations. I actually see a case for both teams. Are we going to say, oh, of course, the Niners had a young Nick Bosa, and they had D Ford, and they had a, you know, still in his prime Richard Sherman. And or when George Kyle Shanahan ends up becoming exactly, Kyle Shanahan. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. And so I've been trying to figure out who's going to win via that route, and there's just so much talent and so many little edges on both sides that I'm, I'm having a hard time picking this game. It's really difficult. And I think that I've changed my mind a dozen times as I've thought more about it and I've considered different details and all that stuff. 
but I do think I've landed in a certain spot, even though if I don't, even if I don't feel good about it. Are we doing it? Let's do it. Who's going to win the Super Bowl, Kevin? The San Francisco 49ers are going to win, and I'm upping it. We're going up. We're going 28-26. I think it's like a 34-31 type game that the Niners end up winning. I think there's going to be a ton of points. I don't think either of these defenses are equipped to stop these offenses. I just feel like, in the end, the Niners' defense is going to make enough plays, especially up front. It's one strip sack. It's one hit that leads to an interception. The type of stuff that you don't often see against the Chiefs, but the Niners can do because of the talent that they have up front. Now that we've both said this, the sound you hear is everyone betting the Chiefs. Everyone betting the Chiefs and the Chiefs winning by four touchdowns. By four touchdowns. Mahomes goes off. He throws for 500 yards. I'm going to go with Garoppolo just because I do think they're going to need to throw the ball to win, and I just think it's the safest bet. Quarterback of the team that wins. George Kittle. George Kittle. All right. uh, We should look at the MVP odds. Martha Stewart is here. Martha, Martha, Martha Stewart. How are we not, how do we not have Martha Stewart on Slow News Day? All right. So, long shot bets. Yes. George Kittle is 10 to 1. It's not that good of odds. I wouldn't bet that. It's not very good I'm odds. I'm not going to bet Jimmy that. Jimmy Garoppolo is plus 275. Plus 1,000 for George Kittle is not that great. My favorite one, I was so close once. I, I really do think that Cam Chancellor still was the MVP of that Super Bowl, and I picked him. He was like 100 to 1. You should go to Vegas in that one and just make your case. <laughs> we should really re-legislate this. Kyle Juszczyk, plus 25,000. What would have to happen what, for J- Kyle Jeff Schwartz, U- you, seem, you seem stunned here. Okay, so Jeff, Jeff Schwartz saying, has made the point that Juszczyk gets 200 yards rushing when everybody gets All right, hurt. so the one I like on this, in this group is actually D. Ford. Plus 10,000 for D. Ford is a, is a bet I would make. Even though I said I think Bosa has a better chance, Bosa is plus 1,800 compared to 10,000 for D. Ford. I don't think D. Ford is five times less likely to win the MVP than Nick Bosa. That is the long shot bet I would like. I, still, I th- actually think we should have asked Jeff Schwartz what his brother's, what, what the case to be made that his brother wins MVP. <laughs> she shuts down he both shuts of those down guys. shuts down both those guys and they give it to him. Let's, let's get the Mitchell Schwartz for MVP. I, listen, you don't have going. to tell you that. That's not something you got to twist my arm about. I'm more than willing to support that. I am also picking the Niners. Kevin is picking the Niners. So I hope everyone looks forward to a Kansas City Chiefs Super Bowl win on Sunday. All right, guys, as always, thank you so much for listening to the Ringer NFL show on the Ringer Podcast Network. We'll talk to you later.